Monday, February 10th, 2020. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a good week outside of podcast land. Got some feedback from last week's episode on the blog on blogs.va.gov. I did answer one comment from Willie. Uh, that was all he put for his username. He said, I am on limited internet access, which means if I go over the speed, it is greatly reduced. So I never review podcasts or the like. Why don't you put the information in written word for people like us vets that need this regarding appeals? So Willie, I run a podcast. It's what I do for the VA. And for these benefits breakdowns, I ask questions that as a veteran, I would want to know. And I try to share the answers out in podcast land so everyone can benefit from the answer. In addition, I ensure that there are written blogs, especially on the benefits breakdown episodes. And I embed as much media as I can on the subject. Videos, hyperlinks. Uh, so you're talking about extra reading. It's uh, There's a lot there. Uh, so I'm taking what I do and I'm adding as much reading and video links to it. For this particular instance, for example, the Board of Veterans Appeals has its own website. And trust me, there is a ton of reading on there to do. But if I say it on here, you admittedly will never hear it. So, um, But it is hyperlinked on the blog that you commented on. So I do hope that that helps you. In addition, I appreciate everyone else's comments and opinions on the blog. However, I hope that you're not thinking that I can look into or fix your own individual experiences. I'm new to VA myself, and that's not my gig. My gig is helping um, to give that 10,000-foot approach from a new person or a naive perspective on how a program or office works. Each individual veteran experience may and probably will vary. And I welcome you to put your experience in the comments, both good and bad. So that section can be a knowledgeable base for those that are both new to the subject or for those that may look to those comments for future policy changes. So thank you for all the comments that you are making. I also noticed that a couple of more folks out there rated the podcast, which means that we were over 180 ratings and we did get one new review this week. It comes from Chief Petty Officer Mike McCleary. Five stars. Episode 180. Thank you for explaining the different lanes for following up on claims and appeals. Looking forward to more information provided on this podcast. Blessings, Mike McCleary, U.S. Navy, retired Chief Petty Officer. Uh, Chief Petty Officer McCleary, retired. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing the show. Um, I'm going to continue to bring as many more benefits breakdowns to you as I can. Um, again, this isn't my show. This is your podcast. And the more ratings and reviews that you do, not only let me know on how we're doing as far as bringing you what you want, the ratings and reviews and subs give us a better chance to climb in the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, etc., wherever you're getting this, algorithms, which in turn allows us to reach many more veterans out in podcast land and gives them a chance to listen in and not hear only these great stories, but all the benefits breakdown episodes and the information provided in the news releases. Speaking of news releases, we do have two that dropped that I think you'd be interested in. Uh, one says, for immediate release, applications open for community organizations to apply for millions in adaptive sports grants to support community reintegration for disabled veterans. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is accepting applications through March 17th 
for up to 15 million in grants for civic groups providing adaptive sports and therapeutic recreational activities opportunities to veterans and members of the armed forces with disabilities application instructions and eligibility information for these grants which will help qualified organizations plan develop manage and implement these programs are available at blogs.va.gov forward slash n v s p s e forward slash grant hyphen program back in 2019 the va awarded 14.9 million in adaptive sports grants to 126 organizations estimated to serve more than 11,000 veterans and service members from every state the district of columbia and puerto rico of the total awarded, $1.5 million is being used to assist organizations that offer equine-assisted therapy to support mental health. Applications must be submitted to www.grants.gov. I'm going to say that again. www.grants.gov by 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, March 17th. VA will announce awards based on a competitive selection in the fall of 2020. I think we actually did that news release last year on when uh when they were awarded so it's nice of doing a re release to let you know when this year's applications are open all right and the next one says for immediate release va encourages communities to volunteer and recognize hospitalized veterans during national salute to veteran patients week the u.s department of veterans affairs will honor hospitalized veterans at va medical centers clinics and facilities nationwide from february 9th through the 15th this annual observation gives all Americans the chance to thank more than 9 million veterans who receive care from VA through volunteering and creating Valentine's Day cards. Each year, volunteers from schools, community groups, and youth organizations nationwide send more than 100,000 Valentine's cards to VA medical centers for national salute to veterans' patients. VA aims to increase awareness of each VA medical center by encouraging citizens to visit hospitalized veterans, volunteer their time, or donate to their local VA facilities. In 2019, more than 61,000 volunteers provided more than 9.2 million total volunteer hours serving veterans through VA's voluntary service. Of that, 2,900 volunteers and 520 community organizations participated in National Salute. To learn more about volunteer opportunities or to join the mission to honor the sacrifice and service of America's veterans during the National Salute or any time of the year, visit your nearest VA facility or contact VA Voluntary Service. All right. So this week we have the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Kind of. Sorry, little joke because I've been trying to get him on for an interview for the last couple of months now. But what we do have, however, is his State of VA address. The Secretary's address was made on last Wednesday at the National Press Club in D.C., literally a day after the President's State of the Union. This address, the address you're going to hear is tradition, and there are other episodes of Born the Battle in our archives that feature them. The State of VA is kind of like the State of the Union. Uh, the Secretary talks about the previous year's successes, and it lays out the secretary's vision for the department for the coming year. So, if you want to know the department's priorities in this coming year, in 2020, this episode is for you. So without further ado, here is Secretary Wilkie's 2020 State of VA Address. Enjoy.
when I became Secretary of VA, I was told that only 25% of women veterans were part of the VA family. Well, last year, on December 31st of 2019, the new statistics came in. And those statistics showed that 41% of all women veterans in this country are now part of VA. We are leading the change in the military culture. When my father was first commissioned, two months before President Kennedy was inaugurated, less than one half of 1% of those in uniform were women. As the Undersecretary of Defense under General Mattis, 19% of the force was female. For veterans, that means right now, 10% of all veterans in the United States are America's fighting women. And for us to see those numbers rise so dramatically is an affirmation of how well we have advanced as a culture, how well we are caring for the needs of our women veterans, and we expect that those numbers will increase in the next few years. Uh, that also is right in line with the actions that we took when the incident DCVA took place earlier, late last year. We immediately referred it to the Justice Department. Um, we took it out of the hands of VA police. And that is part of our commitment to ensure that everyone who walks into a VA is safe, and is taken care of, and that when anything happens, we make sure that the highest authorities uh, are informed. And I will also add what I have said to some of you, and it has been in some of your publications. Uh, I met with the Inspector General last night. Uh, we are working to make sure that the House Veterans Committee and Ms. Goldstein uh, receive all of the information available uh, to make sure uh, that, that their needs are taken care of. And um, we have a great concern in that, in that regard. So uh, those, uh, those issues will, um, will play out in the next few days. But I will also say that even though uh, we have had a change in some of the leadership at our VA, not one appointment has been missed, not one operation has been canceled, and our veterans are coming to us in numbers that are unprecedented in our history. So this is the new VA. This is not the VA that existed in 2014. This is not the VA that existed in 2015. We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system, and that means we still have ongoing challenges that any large organization will face. But we have seen improvement in three broad areas. We have redirected ourselves to doing a better job in customer service. That is our single mission, not dodging scandal after scandal, and the numbers show our success. Our wait times, according to organizations like the American Medical Association, are good or better than any in the private sector. We are seeing more veterans than ever. We completed 1.7 million more appointments in FY19 than we did in FY18, for a record 59.9 million appointments. 90% of our veterans surveyed trust the care that they get at VA. The Veterans of Foreign Wars most recent survey showed that three quarters of the respondents recommend to those veterans who are not part of our organization to join us. As I said earlier, we brought back accountability. 
more than 8,000 employees have been let go from employment for not meeting the performance standards that our veterans expect. There is no record like that in the federal government. But we have also shown that we can implement dramatic organizational change needed to provide modern services to America's veterans. Mission Act gave veterans real permanent choice. In the first six months, we approved nearly 2.8 million referrals to the private sector on behalf of one and a half million veterans. This year, we will implement the provision of the Mission Act that will extend caregiver benefits to veterans from my father's era, Vietnam, and others who served before 1975. And we are about to launch the Electronic Health Record, which promises to revolutionize the experience veterans have at VA. Now, we are in the middle of a long overdue national conversation about veteran suicide. This is the first time in our history that the President of the United States has focused the energies of his office and the federal government on an issue that has inflicted the armies of the United States for well over a century. The first statistics on veteran suicide were compiled during the administration of Benjamin Harrison in the 1890s. Those numbers have been steady throughout the years. They spiked right before World War II and they spiked after Vietnam. But as I've said, when I present the results of our Prevents Task Force to the President and to the Congress, if we simply look at the last tragic act in a veteran's life, we will be doing a disservice to the entire country if we do not look at homelessness, addiction, and mental health. To tell you how dramatically our country as a whole has changed, when I was in high school in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the leading cause of death for high school students in America was automobile accidents. Today, the leading cause of death for America's high school students is suicide. I believe that veterans can show the country the way on how to deal with this terrible problem, because most Americans, at whatever level they are, understand what it means when someone puts on a uniform and someone takes that uniform off. In terms of never having a conversation about mental health, we are at VA providing now same-day mental health service. We've launched now universal screenings for all of our veterans to identify any veteran who may be at risk and more than four million veterans have been screened in the last year and a half. Our veterans crisis line takes 1,700 calls a day, and we physically act on 100 of those calls to get immediate help to veterans and their families. But we cannot address this issue alone. 60% of those 20 veterans a day who take their lives have no contact with us. That is why the Prevents Task Force is so important, and I will recommend to the President that we open up the aperture on support for charities, local governments, non-governmental organizations, give them the financial resources that they need to help us find those veterans that we, don't, we do not see. Now, the third part is that we are living up to our legacy of technological and medical innovation that is befitting, befitting America's largest healthcare system. These improvements are not just improvements for veterans, they are improvements for the entire country. 
It's something that President Nixon predicted when my father's war in Vietnam wound down. And Nixon signed legislation to boost the profile of veterans in our society. He said, by giving our veterans the gratitude and opportunity they deserve, we are not only doing the right thing for them, we are also doing the right thing for all of us. Each returning veteran is a human resource, a mature, highly motivated young citizen who has proven the capacity to serve and to achieve. These young men and women form the strongest hope for America's future. Nixon was correct more than he could ever know. The VA had already invented the cardiac pacemaker by then and was the first to perform a liver transplant development that would benefit the entire nation. In the 1980s, VA invented the nicotine patch. And in the first decade of the new century, we unveiled the first powered ankle foot prosthetic, ushering in a new era of increased mobility for veterans and other disabled Americans. But our work isn't done. Our innovative staff is already, already making a difference in people's lives on other fronts. Cancer usually means surgery or administering poison to kill the cancer that severely weakens the, president, pre, the, the patient or both. With precision oncology, we are now designing treatments that attack the cancer and not the patient. We have already built targeted therapies to attack leukemia. These therapies are already making that cancer less lethal. One researcher called VA's Precision Oncology Program the future of America's cancer care. It means earlier detection, less guesswork about treatment, and more comfortable patients. VA will now have the first 5G hospital in America. President Trump last year challenged America to be the first 5G wireless service, and VA met that challenge. As I speak, our hospital in Palo Alto is about to become the first 5G-enabled health facility in the world, and it should be operational this week. Some might ask, why is 5G important to veterans? What 5G will deliver is richer, more detailed, three-dimensional images of patients' anatomy. The resolution is so clear and consistent that it will give us reliable means of delivering telesurgery services to veterans across the nation. That means we will have the capacity to allow VA's best physicians to consult during surgery, even if they are not in the same room and are halfway across the country. It will also be a breakthrough for surgeons in the operating room. Imagine a doctor being able to see layers beneath the skin before the first incision is ever made. The FDA was never able to approve these sorts of practices in surgery because 4G technology simply could not carry that much information. But we are on the cutting edge and moving forward in ways that just a few years ago were unimaginable. VA's expertise in treating veterans has led to a new branch of research into exoskeletons that change people's lives daily. Traditionally, Exoskeletons do the work of moving patients who can't move on their own. But we've launched a pilot to develop exoskeletons that stimulate the spinal cord, and we're seeing promising results. Instead of the exoskeleton moving the patient around, the patient can increasingly control the exoskeleton as their own muscles are reactivated. With further research at VA, we are hoping to turn the exoskeleton from a mobility device into something that trains injured people to walk again.
under their own power. Now, virtual reality isn't a technology that VA developed, but we've partnered with the University of Southern California, a nonprofit called Soldier Strong, and applied VR to help veterans with PTSD and pain management. Veterans with PTSD are often unable to process the emotions related to a traumatic experience in the field. Virtual reality allows them to relive, reimagine those traumatic events in a controlled setting under the care of clinicians. We found that giving veterans a chance to process those emotions can be an effective treatment for PTSD. Virtual reality can also help block pain signals from reaching the brain and thus is a drug-free supplement to traditional brain therapies. Telehealth. Telehealth is a tool VA is already using to consult with rural patients. And rural Americans to this day provide more soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines than any other part of the country. We've partnered with Walmart to reach veterans this way even when they don't live anywhere near a VA clinic. But telehealth is also being used to diagnose patients remotely. Many veterans develop diabetes, for example, which makes it harder for the body to deliver blood to the extremities. And that can lead to foot ulcers. And these ulcers develop, as they develop, they cause temperature variations in the foot. Today, VA can monitor those temperature variations by using floor mats embedded with thermographic sensors that veterans can use at home. VA doctors can detect these variations remotely with a telehealth connection. These foot ulcers cost VA $3.2 billion a year. Now we can get ahead of this problem by detecting them earlier and directing treatment. So that is the state of President Trump's VA. We are once again fulfilling the sacred promise to aid Americans' veterans. When Washington delivered his farewell orders to the Continental Army in 1783, he said it was now America's duty to welcome those soldiers back to civilian life. As he put it, and shall not the brave men who have contributed so essentially to these inestimable acquisitions, retiring victorious from the field of war to the field of agriculture, participate in all the blessings which have been obtained. In such a republic, who will exclude them from the rights of citizens and the fruits of their labors? I'm proud to be part of this historic effort to right the VA ship and to serve veterans. I will finish with a, a story that was particularly uh, important to my father, a veteran of the 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, the greatest of all airborne warriors was Matthew Bunker Ridgeway, who led the All-American Division to victory in Sicily, North Africa, and planned the Allied airborne assault on Hitler's fortress Europe. The night before the invasion, he actually fell out of his cot. And he reached for the, for the Old Testament, and he pulled down the book of Joshua and looked to Joshua's promise from the Almighty that I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In 1986, President Reagan awarded General Ridgway the Presidential Medal of Freedom, where he said that heroes come when they are needed, Great Americans step forward when courage seems in short supply. That is our duty at VA, to serve those great Americans who step forward when their country needed them and step forward when courage seems in short supply.
grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. It's always good to listen to an address like that from one of the from a leadership position, uh, in order to understand for I guess for back of for a lack of a better term, commander's intent. This week's born the battle veteran of the week is Army veteran Greg Gadsden. Greg Gadsden graduated from West Point, New York, in 1989. After graduating, he commissioned as a field artillery officer. He served in Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Operation Joint Forge, Operation Enduring Freedom, and Operation Iraqi Freedom. On the night of May 7, 2007, Gadsden returned from a memorial service in Iraq for two soldiers from his brigade when an improvised explosive device took both of his legs and gravely injured his right arm. Gadsden was on the sideline during the 2007-2008 New York Giants Super Bowl run, and the Giants did not lose a single game when he was on the sideline culminating in a victory over the previously undefeated New England Patriots. You also might have remembered him from the movie Battleship. Despite the severity of his injuries, Gaston remained on active duty in the Army until retiring in 2014 as a colonel. During his service, Gaston earned the Distinguished Service Medal, two Legions of Merit, three Bronze Star Medals, a Purple Heart, three Meritorious Service Medals, and three Army Commendation Medals. In 2007, he also earned the Henry Viscardi Achievement Award, a civilian award which honors extraordinary leaders with disabilities. Today, Gaston works as an entrepreneur and managing partner of a government services company. He is also a passionate advocate for disabled and wounded soldiers, both former and current, and serves as a motivational speaker for sports teams, organizations, and government agencies. Greg Gaston, thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode of Born the Battle. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov. Include a short write-up and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care.